Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hello everyone, David here. I hope you're doing well. Welcome back to the DGR Podcast. Today I have a great guest. I have Luke Tullock. Uh, Luke is a personal trainer. He's someone who you probably know. He's he's very highly regarded in the in the industry. He is very successful online coach, online educator. He's taught seminars around the world and who delivers kind of probably some some of the best information online. He's big into neuroscience and just reading research and making things understandable, relatively simple, practical and concise. And he's, he kind of has a niche at, at doing that and, and delivering really high quality information. So we talked about, a lot about that today, how the last couple of years have been for him, building his online business, how he approaches his social media, his posts, how he structures his day. And then we kind of dive into a little bit more of the, the neuroscience side of things like stress and stuff like that, how it, kills, how it can kill your gains and, and um, a couple of little tidbits around there. I first met Luke, I was actually I was actually training in a gym in Sydney that he was working in and I met there himself and his wife and they actually came and travelled over to, uh, they were travelling around Europe and they came where I'm sitting right now in my clinic was not a clinic there, it was my dad's old shed, my dad's shed. And uh, me and Luke were actually pushing tire, a t- uh, uh, flipping like a tractor tire, pushing it against each other, which I have an Instagram video. Uh, I might For my Instagram post, I might actually repost that video if I can. But it does make me look bad because Luke is, or at least back then, he was relatively massive and uh, much massiver than me. And it looked like a baby tire that he was pushing. And then I was like pushing something that wasn't a baby tire. So um, so yeah, it's been great to get to know to know uh, Luke over the last few years and actually to be honest posting on social media he was probably a big influence on me because it was like okay I, I actually see someone that I know here that's that's gaining a bit of traction and yeah that's just not afraid to put themselves out there and at the same time I know him and I've seen him training and he's walking around the gym and stuff like that and he's just a normal guy who's like kind of cool so back then or a lot of the time I think people see people with a following or something like that and they think okay like they're someone different to me they have a different aura about them or a different they have some special secret sauce that i don't have and that's what allows them to be posting and charismatic and blah 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 on social media actually it's not the case at all it's just being consistent with things so uh duke was a big influence on me just to not not with the style of post or anything like that but just to be like okay maybe i can do some posts here too and maybe i can get my message across and maybe people will like that so so uh, yeah, that was that was good to kind of catch up and loop around back with Luke, Luke on this loop around back with Luke on, on that side of things. So uh, so yeah, kind of a varied episode. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And um, here you go. Make sure and give it a like and a share if you can. Uh, definitely a share. Share it with someone if you think it was useful. Give it a share. And uh, here you go. I hope you enjoy. Yo, hello, sir. What's up? Sorry, I'm late. Yeah, well, good. It actually worked out because. Um... The, the baby happened to poo herself at the same time as you, as we were supposed to be on. So I needed to change her again. Cool. Cool. I got held up with a client. Uh, so we both had, we both had a small mini crisis. Yeah. <laughs> How's things, mate? All good. All good. All good. Where are you now? Uh, Gothenburg in our apartment right now. So yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Are you still doing your podcast? I try, but I have a private client podcast. So if I get a chance to do that, then I 
prioritize that. Oh. Yeah. How, how do you do that? I've got a private RSS feed. So they basically add the RSS feed to their app and then it's only people who have that feed can actually get the podcast. Oh, yeah, you just solved my cool. problem. Oh, but, yeah. Well, maybe if I can actually figure out how to do it. But for my, I've been contemplating doing my solo podcast that I do just for my members. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't know how to do it. Yeah, I, so I have this like, whole have like to... video library of stuff, but people don't have the time to sit down and watch it. So mm-hmm. I was like, what if I just did 15, 20 minute audio things and mm-hmm. pushed it to their podcast app? Uh, so it's working quite well. Uh, how's your membership site going? Or what, or what is it at the moment? Yeah, I've kind of dumped the membership stuff for the moment. So uh, uh, just like too many. Oh, different... sorry. So that podcast is just for clients. That's just for clients. Yeah. Just for clients, yeah, because I had too many directions, too much to promote, too many separate Mm -hmm. things. So, yeah, that's just for clients and um, they get like a fair bit of stuff aside from the coaching when they sign up, uh, like access to some of the or pretty much all the previous material I've done. So if ever I do a lecture or presentation on something, then that's all available to them on a membership site. And then it's obviously the coaching and then the private podcast feed. So that's all going pretty, pretty good. Yeah. yeah, But just trying to keep it simple for now because my life's, you know, a bit complicated with the kid and stuff. Mm. Uh, Yeah. So that's all going pretty sweet. How's, how's yours going? Yeah, it's going, it's going really good. It's, it's, it's grown a lot. It was going well then started off well because i think we have loyal enough people that were like just just give us more stuff and mm. it started off well and then there was a bit of a lull where i didn't have much clarity around it i was like what even is this yeah for for like four or five months and then because i was trying to separate out i'm like going to teach a big mentorship type of thing where i literally just teach every single thing i know or mm. that's relevant <laughs> hopefully yeah. relevant to people in like an intensive block uh, and then I was like, okay, I don't want to teach some of this info in the membership site now. But actually, I realized people kind of need both. They need it like drip fed in here, and then they'll still do the, mem- the mentorship type of thing mm. at some stage where it's like, okay, just get really into detail with how I implement this this type of info. So since I got that clarity around it, it's been brilliant. It's been really good. It's been one of the best things I've done. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. Cause I often hear about membership sites, like not really doing that well. Yeah. But I think you're right in that people don't know why they're doing them. They're just like, well, I have people who like my stuff. And so I'll just make a membership site to sell it to them basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. It sounds great in theory, but then it is, ha- it is hard. Like it is hard to do that constant flow of info and also people lack a bit of direction on it because like where with a course it's like okay week one week two week three membership site is a little bit more uh kind of go at your own pace type of thing i think yeah you know yeah. so people lack accountability and stuff like that but mm-hmm. i think it, it just with all the business stuff with all everything it just comes back to clarity why am i doing it what do i need to deliver what's the outcome yeah 100 percent. i think that's pretty important it's like as well i think some people go oh yeah membership site and i'll I'll, you know i'll sell it for 10 bucks a month and then uh, all i need is x number of people and it's like mate to fucking make a sale to 500 or a thousand people is difficult no matter what price point or whatever you're doing so um 
it's got to be pretty clear as to why they would buy something like that. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And for us, it's going to feed us into the mentorship stuff. And it's like, okay, if you weren't willing to engage in somebody's content, then you're probably not right for the next step. Because mm. actually, the reason I started in started doing it the way I'm doing it now is I had a chat with Alice, who was one of our physios. And we were talking about creating the the mentorship, the full mentorship type of thing. And I was saying, how do I get people to a level where they can even start that? Mm. You know, like where, okay, some people have been so engaged with everything that we've done. Some people are not, haven't been engaged, but like aren't at the same level of detail. Like how do we start to go into all of this stuff from week one? So then now I'm like, okay, here's some prerequisites that you should know. And that's where they are. So that's what that's for. That's a cool idea. I've had that problem before with my educational stuff, just people coming in at vastly different levels. Mm-hmm. So, yeah that's smart. very hard that's very hard uh and what's the what's the deal with clients then what type of clients are you working with um it's mostly i think early to late intermediates at the moment i have a few advanced people like i've got someone doing a wbff show soon and i've got someone doing like a, a pretty big powerlifting comp soon and that sort of thing but it's i'd say it's mostly like physique oriented um but not physique obsessed uh and which is cool. <laughs> um, or maybe they want to be less physique obsessed. Uh, and then, yeah, it's just, I think mostly about, I would say that people who come to me have just fucking seen too much content and they just need some simplifying and some understanding of why we're doing something and how to implement it. And then let me just go and actually do it mm-hmm. as opposed to, well, I've seen all this stuff, like what do I do and how do I change it? And that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty gratifying to kind of be like, well, actually, we can strip a lot of this back and we can get better results for you as a as a result of that. So that's mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm typically between like 40 and 50 uh, one-on-one clients, which is like keeps me pretty busy. So, yeah. And that's all online. All online. Yeah. 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 Doing nothing in person at the moment. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. They are a lot of those other coaches. Yeah, quite a few other coaches. I would say ooh, a third to half of them are coaches. Yeah. So um, that might be the case because they're yeah, going to learn. A pretty big it's whack. Co- it's yeah. a kind of an education thing for them at the same yeah. time. Yeah, a lot of them are like, I want to, I want to learn and obviously also get my own training and that sort of stuff. So um, mm-hmm. it is pretty fun that way. And then obviously the way you communicate with them is pretty different, which I think's quite fun um because you obviously when you got someone like especially online the the biggest thing you have to learn is how to communicate you know like that's just it's not really the programming and that sort of stuff it's how you talk to them and how you deliver the ideas so that's uh always pretty interesting and so it is it is cool when it's another coach and you can be like well maybe these are some of the things that I was considering and you can probably go into that to a greater extent with them because they've been in some of those situations before. So it's, yeah. it's pretty cool that way and quite gratifying as well, which yeah. is nice. Yeah. 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 I get a lot of that as well. It's a lot of coaches yeah. and, and therapists and stuff who are even the mentorship thing that I will end up teaching. It would probably be like a 10, 10 weeks, very simplified. Like when I, I don't want to, people to think that i'm saying it's going to be so complex it's it's actually the opposite it's like very simplified but there is some basic things that 
relatively basic things like theoretical side of it that you want you should understand but at the same time i'm going to be just like okay week one here's the here's the program that i'm writing for you to do yourself to how you train like our here's the breathing drills if we're starting on a very low level basis with someone like you need to do these drills so i'll just write the program for them week two these are the exercises all the way up to your plyometrics and all that stuff so for the 10 weeks like or whatever it's going to be they're actually being trained back up to this these levels at the same time because i think that's probably the best way to learn yeah totally and then you get a little bit of like what the client experience is like as well so you can understand when you're implementing something like okay this is what it's going to feel like and these are the questions i had or whatever um which is so valuable like goes back to what we spoke about before where like when you get clarity on like who is this for what are the problems that they need solved? Well, you know, you're going to get better results for your clients if you've kind of had that first-hand experience. That's why like a lot of people when they go into, you know, figuring out what their target audience is or whatever in business, like a lot of the time it's them from 10 years ago or five years ago because like you understand it and you, you know where you're looking for information, what you want to learn and what the problems are and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it makes sense for sure. Yeah. You five years ago or six years ago, or you were on the front page of Men's Health Australia, That's I think, right. weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I think I was. When I, when I was coming doing this podcast, that's, that's one thing. I was like thinking back of all the years I knew you and stuff. I was like, I remember that. I actually didn't yeah. really know you then. I was training in the same gym, but I remember that. That was, that was a big funny. deal. Feels like a lifetime ago, mate, that, those mm-hmm. times. A long mm-hmm. time ago. But uh, yeah, that was pretty fun. I didn't think that would that would happen. And then I think I think the year before or the same year, I was on some promo for the Disney Channel as the Hulk. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll give us give us uh, give us the last couple of years for like a synopsis of it, Luke. Because I know you came to Ireland, you trained here with me yep. in this room where I am right now. This this is my clinic. This yep. was the shed. So the, this isn't the gym. Oh, this cool. is the gym. We knocked the walls and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we had the videos of you training there. But um, so you came and you were going to teach uh, like a do like a European tour of workshops. Yeah. 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 Totally. So. Um, had a few things lined up and we landed in Stockholm and I did a seminar in Stockholm over the weekend. And that was the same weekend that all the borders started closing in Europe because of COVID. So we were due to go to Scotland next and we were planning London and then some Portugal and then some stuff in the States. And... Yeah, like Denmark closed its borders and we were a bit like, hmm, what's happening here? Do we risk it sort of thing? And we decided actually just to to cancel a few things and it ended up being the right decision. So I ended up staying in Sweden at my in-laws place in the south of Sweden for six months or five months or something. And we kind of decided like, don't know when this is going to end. So ended up going the long way around to try and stay in Europe. It's not as simple as, as it might seem, but ended up moving to the Netherlands for eight months, then came back and have stayed in Sweden since then. And that was uh, March, 2021. So I've been here for a bit over a year now, living mm-hmm. in Gothenburg and it's been really cool. 
but yeah, the uh, world tour kind of got cancelled after the first <laughs> seminar and never, never get got back on its feet again. So, yeah, but, you did, yeah, but it's you been did. it's been like interesting, just obviously being immersed in different cultures and having to face all these different mm-hmm. challenges and stuff, and not being able to train like I once did, and and all of this stuff. So it's mm-hmm. uh, definitely pretty pretty interesting. You did get to do your tour of Ireland, though. Yeah, I mean, we had so much fun. We actually got to come visit you guys again now because we're, we're close, so we can come see all the changes. But mm-hmm. yeah, we had a mad time just driving around, and yeah, we had amazing weather when we were there. It was really green, and mate, it was sick. It was really cool. I'd love to do it again, actually. How um, how has the transition been to being fully online then? Because I know you were setting up for that for a while, like. Yeah. Um, actually, our, our, the other thing that came to mind, we were we had dinner in, in Waterford in, in Momo, if you remember. Yes. And we were actually looking at your followers. Did you just pass 10K or something, which was a big deal yeah, then because so. you put up link in your story. That's and, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we were looking, yeah. oh, 10K. And um, yeah. I had like 1K or something like that at the time. Yeah. And then, yeah, it kind of went from there, which might be a sad story now after what happened to you the other day. Yeah. No, I know. But, um, yeah, those were back in the day. You had to you had to ten thousand to put links up in your stories, which is a big deal. And I think I was on like nine and a half for some time across <laughs> mm-hmm. the ten k. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. Yeah, um, I mean, like it's been a bit of a bit of a roller coaster with all of that sort of stuff. Like transitioning to fully online, I think um, you know I was kind of ready to do it. And that's the reason why we were able to travel. Actually, the, before we left Sydney on this whole tour in the first place, we were having probably the best year of our of our lives in, in Sydney. Like we we're just having a mad time. We lived in a cool house with uh, some of our best friends and just having a really good time. So it felt pretty sad to to sort of leave, but at the same time, we were very excited because I sort of thought to myself, like we were um, so twenty nineteen, we were like just turned thirty um 31 and we were like look unless we do this travel now it's probably not going to happen because we'll start Mm -hmm. to settle down and then i'll probably regret that for the rest of my life so it's like all right it's financially possible so let's do it and you know at the end of the day it's been some some really tough times trying to work out immigration and all sort of shit but Mm -hmm. really happy that we did it got a lot of great life experience out of it and it's been really cool so um you know the online obviously allowed that to happen but um it's been pretty incredible how it's sort of sustained itself as well. Like it's, it's not easy to get online clients, you know, and especially to get yourself started. But uh, I've been pretty lucky that I've sort of not had to work. I mean, I work hard for them, but I haven't had to be too pushy or over the top to kind of keep my, my client numbers up, thankfully. So, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So um, it, the the nature of this business, even when you're training people in person, is that it's pretty up and down. I, I mean, I remember times when I've been in the gym and like you have a, a month where you just happen to have like five or six clients cancel at once or whatever, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And you're like, shit. And, you know, the income's gone down a lot and you're like, fuck, now I've got to scramble to get more people and fill these spots and all that. And then some months it's just like, mate, I had like four inquir- inquiries this week and they're all great potential clients and just came on board real easy and it's been awesome. So it is a bit up and down like that sometimes as well in the online world, but thankfully for me, it's been very steady. So it's been Mm -hmm. really cool that way. And um, yeah, it's worked out well. So I've got pretty manageable numbers, which is nice. 
you know, I think the biggest thing for me was just finding structure in my day with it all and keeping everything efficient and not working outside of the hours that I, that I don't want to work, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. definitely someone who was happy working 60 or 70 hour weeks and then realizing like, I didn't have to do that, nor should I, but just had this like pressure of like, you, ha- you know, on myself of you have to work more. Yeah. So anyway, the online has been really good for me because it's uh, enabled me to, you know, firstly, I think it was maybe not so good a thing because it kind of ironically cut down my freedom because I felt like then I had to work all the time. Yeah. But then, you know, as I learned and, and, and kind of got a bit of a handle on that, it's been great because now, for example, with my daughter, I can keep working and I can spend time with her all day and, and all that sort of stuff as well. So it's mm-hmm. been super cool like that and we can work anywhere in the world, really. Mm-hmm. That's the dream, I think, when people first think about the, I had that conversation with someone else this morning, it's like the online, that is the dream for people to be able to go anywhere in the world, make some good money. But like I was saying to him, there's be under no illusion, like it does take work and it probably, you know, them 60 or 70 hour weeks, maybe you had to do that to get to a certain stage and then to pull back. I think the first couple of years, if you are going to do online, Firstly, momentum and consistency is the key. Is, is the key. But consistency is the key. And then once you have momentum, you have to keep that going, I think, especially with the algorithm stuff and all that. Just just having that momentum is, is, is really important, I think. But it definitely can be, it can be done. And I've had probably a similar journey to you where I'm trying to find that structure then get pull it back because yeah. the, the, the nature of the beast with online is I can work anywhere in the world and I can work whenever I want. But that's also the bad thing, which is I can work anywhere in the world. So now I'm on fucking holiday and now I'm still working and I'm still doing things. So that is the nature of the beast. And uh, it's, it's quite it's quite tricky. How did you how did you find the structure? How did you like what is the structure? How do you figure that well, out? Well, I've always I've always been pretty routine based and, and quite like I like structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always did that. I just fucking work too much to be honest like you know, the structure was right I will start in the morning at 6 30 and then we'll stop in the evening at eight o'clock or something you know it's like okay that doesn't really work um so I actually ran a little experiment and I I, I recognize that the challenge for me is not working hard enough the challenge for me is actually pulling back on work that's that's the difficult thing and that's what's going to make me better so when I recognize that I was like oh, okay cool I can kind of use that as like when you feel like you should be working and you feel bad about that, actually, this is the difficult thing that you have to do, um, which is quite nice to sort of reframe it. And so what I did is I went, right, if I'm working 60 or 70 hours a week, can I literally cut that in half and still keep my business running? Um, So it was like an overly ambitious goal that I didn't think I'd be able to do. And I did, long story short. Like I timed everything that I did, every task. I stacked them all together properly. And, um, because the goal was to minimize the time as much as possible, uh, I ended up basically halving my work hours and still getting the same amount done, which is mm-hmm. pretty magic. So, um, I've tried to keep that in place. Obviously it's now hard because I've got the kids. So, you, you know, I find, I mean, you can ask funny about this as well. If I can be undisturbed or focused on a task, I, I, I'm extremely efficient on, on getting things done. Um, so it's a bit hard now with the task switching and having mm-hmm. to get the kid and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, it's literally just like, what if I could just do it in half the time and it ended up working? So it was quite cool like that. Yeah. What's the name of that law? Someone's law where the work expands. Yes. Um, 
I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember what it's called. I don't know the name. Freud's yeah. Law or someone like that. I don't know. Yeah. There's too many laws. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I really struggle with structure. Really fucking struggle with it. Because I... I'm not accountable really to anyone. Like yeah. even Kira, she's like trying to always put structure on me and I don't want to be accountable to her and she doesn't want to hold me accountable. So, yeah. you know, it just doesn't work. So that's, I have, I am getting better at it. I really, I really am. But it's so it's, I find that so hard. I think you're, you are more probably naturally structured than me. Well, naturally might not be, but you are better at that than me. Definitely. Definitely. But when I work too hard then, or I just work longer hours, like, the work just gets shit and all my creativity is gone. Yeah. Well, I think like the way I think about it, it's the same with training and nutrition. It's kind of like you have to find the right amount of constraint. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like it, it's context dependent for the person. But like if you if you have too much constraint, something can be overly restrictive and then it doesn't work. If you have too little constraint, then it kind of gets formless and people just do whatever they want. And so it doesn't work. So it's about finding the sweet spot with it. Um, so like I often tell my clients, like I see two types of people, let's say with a diet, either it's people who basically have far too little constraints. And so essentially they just do what they want and then they get overweight and they don't exercise and that kind of thing. But I also see the other side of that where people discover, oh, this, you know, counting my macros or whatever gives me this these borders that I can work within and then they get really fit and in shape and all this sort of stuff. And then they end up being so constrained by that, that they actually end up having the same problem as they originally had, Mm -hmm. which is finding the in-between it's finding the balance in between. So Mm -hmm. we kind of go in and find, okay, well, how can we still have some level of constraint, but maybe just loosen it a little bit for those people. And on the other end, it's like tightening it a bit, but not overdoing it. Right. So kind of see it the same way. Whereas for me, the constraint was really good in saying like, you've got half an hour on this task to get what you need to do done. Uh, but that doesn't really work for other people so well. So it might be just finding something else, right? Yeah. Well, so talk me through your process for coming up with a post then or like yep. actually, po- actually posting something. Actually, before you do that, talk me through your account getting lost yeah. first. <laughs> Fuck, mate, I don't know what happened. So... My Instagram is linked to my Facebook account. Yeah, same. And so it was actually my Facebook account that was compromised. And so they've shut down the Instagram as a result of that while they quote unquote investigate the Facebook. But I mean, of course, no one at Meta actually works. Like it's all fucking AI. So Mm -hmm. there's no customer service or anything that you can speak to. Mm -hmm. Um, So essentially my Facebook account is shut down and I can't get into it which means my Instagram that it's linked to is also suspended while they sort out the Facebook thing. So that's really annoying. Um, I just crossed over 50K, I think, because I'm 51K or something like that, um, which is super annoying. Like you said, I had heaps of momentum going, <laughs> so that's kind of stymied that. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's all good. I um, So I started a new one. and um, You're back up to 8K. I just back up to 8k yeah yeah so nearly cracking them that magic 10k thing mm-hmm. that we were talking about a few years ago mm-hmm. um yeah uh, look it's fine like i think when you end up getting a big account there's a lot of sort of i don't want to maybe use the word deadwood but there's a lot of people that aren't really that interested in you 
They're just kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll follow this guy or whatever. Yeah. And they so, don't see the posts anyway. No, they don't see them anyway and they don't engage with it and they don't really care. So it's it's a little bit of like, you know what, put your ego aside. Like of those 50,000 people, not that many people were actually fucking interested in what you had to say anyway. So yeah. um, does it really matter? Uh, and as you know, like, I mean, we've spoken about this before. I know plenty of people with like hundreds of thousands and have a shit business, you know, and I know plenty of people with like three or 4,000 and they have a killer business you know yeah, so it doesn't really matter that much but it's just a bit annoying having to go through that whole process when i'm trying to focus on my newborn baby and my parents visiting from australia for the first time in two and a half years yeah. and you know just all happening at once was a bit yeah. annoying but it's just you know. the risk of we are basically trying to run our business we're part of our business through an external completely external platform yeah. that you have no power over no you don't such own a, any of that such shit. a risk so, the nice thing, which I was really smart about, is that I have a really solid email list, yeah. which is awesome. And I also, every single post I've ever made, I have the caption and the actual post themselves saved externally as well. Mm-hmm. So right that. now, if I wanted to put back up every post that I'd made on my old account, I could do that, which is mm-hmm. awesome without doing it. I was talking to Kira. I was like, we need to hire a 12-year-old to do this for us, to every post <laughs> yeah. and every caption. Yeah. Shit. It, yeah, that's a really so, good backup like you got to man you really got to do it um cuz it was it was pretty funny but i actually have a um a friend of mine Sheridan who lost her account randomly on instagram for absolutely no reason got it deactivated the same week that i lost mine mm. and so she was also like hey what the hell is going on and having to kind of start from scratch so to speak so it happens, you know, you hear about it, but you never really think it's going to happen to you until one yeah. day you're like, oh, fuck me. So, <laughs> fuck. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. But look, at least you have the, at least if you were an affiliate marketer, um, like are selling clothes or, or st- stuff like that on yeah. Instagram, you would be fucked. But yep. you have your, cl- like you have your clients. Exactly. Yeah. And you have your email exactly. list. But that's it. Yeah. You can't, you have to. You spent 12 months, like two years, maybe building the business. And the last year has been, we haven't, revenue wise, we actually haven't grown that much a little bit, Mm. but we have like, we've mitigated for a lot of risk and we've spread it out a lot. And actually we we're a way better business now, I think. Yep. 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 You got to do that stuff. Hey, it's just like, you kind of know that you have to do it, but to actually take the steps is important. Yeah, it's not it's not sexy or it's not going to like you're not going to be able to buy a Ferrari tomorrow because you you yep. took your captions and put, put them somewhere. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's important. So uh, okay, so you're you're posting. How would you how would you go about doing a post? Yeah, okay. Well, I'll take you from the start. So um, the first thing is kind of what we've spoken about already. Like you kind of have to think about who you're speaking to, right? So you have to have a really clear idea of that, and that's fucking harder than it sounds right because mm-hmm. i think anytime you do a business or marketing course or something the first thing they'll tell you is you know who's your target market who's your avatar that kind of thing um but genuinely to actually think in the way that someone else thinks is so difficult i mean it's impossible really but you got to try and, and keep that stuff in mind the whole way through this process so just bear that in mind so usually i'll get some sort of idea when I don't know. I'm just doing stuff day to day. I might be like, oh, that might be an idea I could explore for a post. And so I have a little note on my phone that I just jot something down. 
Um, probably 70% of those I end up discarding because I just think it's not really going to fit, but sometimes I make something out of it. So then I got this kind of one main idea that I want to drive home and my sort of modus operandi on uh, Instagram is the carousel posts. They work quite well for me. I haven't really dug too much into reels and all of that sort of stuff just yet, but uh, a bit of dancing there would be, you'd be up to 50k. Listen, mate. I'm not going to do the dancing. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to do it. But fucking Instagram are pushing the reels so They're hard. They're pushing it hard. So I've thought about it, right? Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't I don't give out about the algorithm. Like I hear people constantly whinging about the algorithm. It wrecks my head. It's like you have yeah. no control over it. But um they, they you have to they are pushing that stuff. It is like they're trying to become TikTok basically. They are. They are. I think you like you have to understand what's happening with the platform but at the same time like it comes back to making content that actually speaks to the person that you want to speak to mm-hmm. you know like the quality content is the first thing not what the algorithm is pushing exactly like if i'm not really the personality that's going to make some amazing looking eye-catching reel am i like that's mm-hmm. just not me so yes if you have a very bouncy outgoing personality and you're willing to put on some makeup and some special effects then yeah, sick. Reels are going to do great for you, but like, I'm not going to do that. So, yeah. fucking carousels are going to work better. Yeah, for me. And the re- exactly, and the reel for you, like, so ideal length of a reel is probably like six to eight seconds or ten yeah. seconds, right? So, like, what are you really going to get across no, in exactly. that ten seconds? And who are you going to attract? Because the type of people that you are going to attract, you don't want a short attention span. You want no. people who are engaged. Well, exactly. Exactly right. So you always got to think about that stuff. So I have my uh, my carousel posts that do really well for me. And um, so when I have this idea, I think one of the mistakes I made earlier on was trying to fit too much information in the carousel. You go, right, I've got 10 slides and a caption. Um, and that didn't feel like enough a lot of the time, but I was still just trying to fit so much in there, right? Um, you feel like you can fill out that space a little bit. and I really found that like not thinking so much about a, a topic, but a question you're trying to answer, if that makes sense. So uh, I might talk about like rest periods during during training. There's a million and one things you can say about that. I don't want to fucking go through bullet point by bullet point, which is what I used to do essentially. Mm-hmm. But instead, I want to answer one question: like, yeah. what's the? How long should I rest if I want to grow the most muscle possible? Yeah. Like, okay, sweet. Now I have some common thread that I can put through every single one of those carousel posts what's the answer to that question (laughs) two to three minutes is it yeah roughly that's what that's what the takeaway is from the post Mm -hmm. um there's more nuance to it which i go through a little bit in the post but that's Mm -hmm. what people want to take away that's what we're not interested in nuance here i want straight down the line answers but that's what they're looking for on instagram mate you don't go to instagram for fucking an essay on on rest periods do you you kind of want to go well how long should i rest yeah yeah two minutes that's fine like you know what i mean um so yeah so then the 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 carousel creation process like i get a lot of people asking me what tools i use and stuff i just use canva it took a while to figure out what fonts and color scheme and layout i liked and that worked well and essentially what i'm trying to do when i go through that process is i'm trying to use as few words as i possibly can and if i need to substitute out words for simpler words then i do it without a second thought Mm-hmm. because I used to want to use the fanciest words and the words that I would be attracted to. But I don't say hypertrophy. I say muscle growth. You know, I don't say like whatever, 
it, it, it's use the simpler word, even if it sounds like, you know, a lower grade level, because it should be like a fucking, if a, you know, 12 year old read it, it would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I go through. Like most of the process is pruning stuff, really. It's just pruning stuff down. And then the caption is, is a similar concept. So that's kind of like how it goes from start to finish. And then, um, you know, once it's out there, it's obviously like observing what questions and stuff get asked because ultimately as a creator, you're going to be recycling content uh, in different ways. So uh, I'm going to be reposting stuff that I've posted about before, like six months earlier, for sure. Like if you're not mm-hmm. doing that, then you're probably not focused enough on what the actual questions and problems your audience has. So you have to pay attention to what feedback they're getting, uh, they're putting on those posts and then tweaking it a little bit. So, you know, I have like, how long should you rest for muscle growth? I have like five different versions of that same post because every time I repost it, I go in and I tweak it and I change some of the words and I tweak the caption a little bit and it's sort of 80 or 90% the same, but it's just, it evolves a little bit. So and are all imposts still there on Canva? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they're all there on Canva. You can just go in and edit a little bit and then download that. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So I just yeah. make a copy from the last thing and then I just tweak whatever words or layout changes or whatever I want. And then I download it again and same thing with the caption. Mm-hmm. And then up it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I think people who don't post regularly think okay, I'll post for a week and I'll run out of content. And actually, I don't think it ever ends. Actually, the more I post, the easier I find it to post. Um, the, more, the more consistent I am because take a rest period thing, take rest, like rest period. There's, like you said, there's a million things you could say about that, about that one topic. And that's the same with every single muscle group or whatever the hell principle behind strength training or whatever you're going to use. It's the same. There's there is no end to the questions that you could answer. hundred <clears throat> percent. And what will happen is like, here's something that I think is really handy. If you are afraid of posting stuff or if you care too much about how well your posts are doing, post more often because mm-hmm. if you post more often, the quality is going to go down. There's no doubt about that because you're not spending as much time trying to fucking make it perfect. But you start to get over like, oh, I made my one big post for the week and it flopped. Mm-hmm. shit now i feel like crap about it and what am i going to do next and this next post better be good sort of thing instead if you're posting like five times a week like i don't know if three of them are a bit of a miss you don't really give a shit um and you start to see the stuff that gets more engagement and then you can basically revisit that and be like all right cool well, can i improve this post even more and then like repost it again three weeks later sort of thing with the same idea but maybe just like reworded a bit or something mm-hmm. and slowly but surely you start to find what lands and what doesn't you know yeah. um yeah. that makes a really big difference i think yeah you just learn yeah it's just practice it's a skill yep. it's just skill skill learning you start to learn what words work what kind of videos or whatever you're going to do what what, what captions work I work a lot on my captions, like on, I, 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 I actually, I, I edited a couple of times. I write it. I actually don't, I'm very off the cuff with stuff. Like I just sit down and like, okay, fuck it. I'll just post whatever I was just thinking about with that client. Right. I put it together, post it, write the, write the caption. Uh, sometimes in notes, sometimes on Instagram, depending on how big, how long it's going to be. Press post, read the caption again. I'm like, okay, there's three or four lines that are just wasted there that don't need to be there. Edit them out. And then an hour later, I might look at it again. I might edit it a little bit again. Uh, so it's just, yeah, just constantly pruning, like you said. And um, yeah. 
but I do I do try and write well I try and write really clearly if I can and I try and write like I'm I think I think of it as every like in the Instagram is like my book of stuff and then every post is like a little page like it's just tell, telling its own small little story and yep. so the caption has to have a beginning and an end to it and it has to be engaging and if there's three lines in a row or two lines in a row which is just boring that doesn't add anything people aren't going to go keep reading no three words they're not going to keep reading yep i agree I, and like that just like takes practice i used to kind of try and find some resource to tell me how to write stuff like that mm-hmm. mate it's just practicing it honestly like and 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 being analytical of your own work and i i think the one thing that the one idea i keep in my mind is to be subtractive like to, if anything take something away if anything else just take something away um and then you just get better at that which is cool but i like what you said there because one of the if you're struggling for content creation like one of the things that uh, i think is pretty good is to kind of um document your process so to speak so like you're saying it might be something that you just worked on with a client or something you're thinking about with a client fuck put that up on instagram because ultimately if someone's looking to work with you like you know that's a really good insight into what you do and how you do it and and uh it'll it'll land with people who are a good fit for you that way yeah exactly exactly you know your post where you say i was wrong yeah what were you most wrong about so far oh most wrong about fuck there's quite a lot mate i used to think a lot of stuff that i that i don't think anymore or i've Thank evolved you. from <laughs> a lot of really stupid things um originally those posts were i would go i was wrong and i would put up like five things and then i realized actually one post should just have a a, a thread you can follow mm-hmm. as opposed to being like you know a jumble of of different stuff at once <clears throat> but yeah i mean i think probably a lot of the stuff that i was doing in the in the poliquin era i i just go back on completely i think i just had the priorities wrong i really focused a lot on things like um, supplements and and meal timing and um, training. I was very focused on like time under tension and and the the rest periods is a good example of it. Like I was very focused on them being quite exact mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think that that stuff can matter at a certain level, right? It does make a difference if you if you tweak that stuff and you go down the rabbit hole. But ultimately, there's other things that just matter so much more that you get so much bigger return on investment. We're focusing your energy on and so it's kind of just missing the forest for the trees really with some of that stuff and uh that's probably the story of my my early academic interest in training and nutrition um whereas now it's you know i still have some of that interest but but honestly in practice it's it's much simpler on paper and i think that's sometimes a bit confusing to people because if you see someone making what seems to be a fairly straightforward recommendation it doesn't mean that they haven't gone through and considered all the other permutations and and all of that sort of stuff they've still thought about it they've just come back to actually this is what's going to give us the most bang for buck um Mm. so yeah harlequin is getting a bit of a resurgence recently is it? I haven't been paying attention, mate. Do you know what? I don't pay that much attention to to anything on mm-hmm. social media or anything these days, to be honest. Yeah. Well, some of his he like you know knees over toes guy and stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of that is Poliquin. Yes. And then some kind of Edo Portal type of stuff thrown in there, loaded much. stretching type of stuff. But um, look, I think you have to probably understand Poliquin. One, he's he was like probably an intense guy. Two. Yeah. 
he he did have exposure to training some high level athletes and three he had to sell courses and like every course had to have new stuff in it you yeah. so, uh so yeah and like I think I, I I think it's I think it's important to know a lot of that stuff. Like where okay at the top level, or if I was looking for one more percent, I might do some of these things. I don't think the answer. I don't I don't I don't like people saying okay I learned that stuff and now I don't use it anymore. So you don't need to learn it. You know you're talking yeah. to a young coach like you don't need to learn that. I don't use that anymore. You still have had the benefit of trying stuff learning it and then understanding now what doesn't matter as much and i think i've i've come across a lot of coaches and courses over the years where they've gone and taken 50 courses and then they're like right here's what i know from that stuff you don't need to go and learn from any of that because i know everything now and yep. I, don't, I, I think people need to kind of make not their own mistakes but come to their own conclusion based on actually yeah i, I have gotten exposed to some of that and now i realize maybe it's not the answer yeah i mean i agree with you and like it's it's something where um i say this in those posts that i make where i say i was wrong it's usually not a case of me suddenly just flipping on my head about what i'm saying it's more of a an evolution as i learn more and and try more things and there's got to be something in what i've learned that i now probably don't think is completely correct that has uh, shaped and influenced, even if it is subconsciously, what I do today. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, like, I'm not opposed to. I think everyone can teach you something, and I'm not opposed to exposing yourself to ideas. You just got to be very self aware when you do that, right? You can't just go in and be like, "Oh, yes, yeah, sweet, this is the method, and now this I just implement yeah. the method," right? Um, yeah. That's the big thing for me. So, yeah, I mean, I actually think Poliquin probably pushed the industry ahead a lot. And I did learn a fair bit from that. But it was also the way it was presented probably to sell the courses and the supplements was like, this is how you do things. And I was very much like, no, this is the rules. This is how you do things. And I don't even think Charles himself was like that with, with how he actually trained people. It was just like how it was presented to us and we just lapped it up. So, yeah. 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 He was a bit of a legend. He was a charismatic man as well, like, yeah, you know. So he did, he did, he did, he did, he definitely, he definitely got a lot of things right. I think he just went too extreme on, on yep. things. Then he's like, yeah, this massively. is the exact amount of fish oil you need to take. That <laughs> oh, was like sure. a crazy amount of fish oil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was not even on Tim Ferriss, wasn't he? At one stage. Yeah, him and Tim Ferriss were biggies to push Tim's book a fair bit mm-hmm. uh, in the four-hour work week. So yeah. Even yeah. I was like not big into like I wasn't big big into the kind of bodybuilding world. I was like Gaelic footballer, and I was trying mm. to use the gym to support that. But even I was like, Poliquin says this, Poliquin says that, uh, yeah. you know. And I wasn't interested in taking gear like and all this stuff. But yeah, I actually had a conversation completely off track. A uh, conversation with a guy, a client this morning, who's who is we were talking about like Rogue and all these guys taking whatever taking testosterone or whatever they're taking and different things um i i i have a theory that like maybe a lot of males when they are pre in a few years time like a lot of people will be taking will be getting some supplementary uh stuff like that what do you think yeah yeah definitely oh it's probably already happening in a lot of areas and it's probably just going to become legally easier in the states it's pretty fucking easy to go to a trt clinic and get prescribed testosterone mm-hmm. um 
much harder to do in Europe, but I think it's it's getting uh, more common. So it's just going to be easier and easier to do that sort of stuff. And it's uh, it's probably more mainstream. I think back in the day, it used to you used to maybe it was like very underground, and you had to be a bit of a psycho to do it. But it's like um, pretty normalized now, I would say. So definitely think that that's going to happen a lot more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, already, I mean, I, I used to experience it when I was playing footy in Sydney. It's like blokes would go away to Thailand for a month and or two in the off season and get a lot bigger and come back. It's like the dumbest possible way to do it, but, you know, it fucking happens. Like, so. Yeah, I think it's going to go that way. I think, you and know, even other it, drugs as well, man, like mm. people using um you know prescription drugs or or even otherwise like recreational drugs for for things like stimulants or or whatever like um you know there's there's stories about um ifbb pros and stuff using illegal drugs essentially to to have good workouts just like your ultimate pre-workout right (laughs) just Mm -hmm. have something a little bit special and uh you know that's that's probably the case and like you see it as well when I was in the US and, and exam time came around, like there'd be people with their Adderall prescriptions and they would sell half their pills to everyone during the exam period. Like that's pretty common. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that sort of, sort of thing bleeding over more and more into sport and, and just training in general, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? Was it a post or something you put up recently about, was that today? Stress kills gains. Yeah. That was yeah. today. Yeah. Um, can you can you talk about a little bit about that, Luke? Because I think everyone understands that on some level. Mm. Uh, not not maybe everyone understands it on some level, but like I have the quote that that you put up, and I don't know was it your quote, but you said muscle damage has the same basic healing process as cuts, scrapes, and bruises, which yep. kind of should be obvious in some ways, but we don't necessarily think about muscle damage in that way or muscle growing in that way. Mm. And I suppose you could you could extend out cuts scrapes and bruises to the rehab side of things which is like torn muscles ligaments anything else injuries there so like talk a little bit about that what you learned when you were researching that post or if you just didn't even need to research it (laughs) yeah that that was really interesting because the the sort of fundamental healing process is this process whereby the immune system is recruited and there's a few different stages of wound healing, whether that is some kind of uh, injury like a like a muscle strain or, or something else, um, whether it's a cut, scrape or a bruise or whether indeed it's, it's muscle damage. Um, you know, the, the immune system is going to be recruited and it's going to go through a basic process of sort of cleaning up the area, uh, a bunch of different uh, inflammatory signaling going on and, and then the whole rebuilding process. And all that's kind of mediated through the immune system, right? And when we have elevated levels of stress, what this, uh, this was actually a systematic review, looked at it, so it looked at a bunch of different studies. It indicated that people with higher levels of stress are going to heal more slowly. And there was another study that I think I referenced in that post where um, over 12 weeks or something, people actually grew less during a resistance training program, the, the ones who had higher life stress. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, for me, this is something where like, why do people respond differently to a resistance training protocol or a rehab protocol or something like that. I mean, there's lots of different reasons as we know, but uh, one of the factors could be 
these things that are outside of the training. You know, if you give people the same program, they respond differently. Part of that's genetic, part of it's expectations based, part of it's, you know, whatever. But part of it's probably their their level of stress or how they handle stress. And so for me, it's like, well, if, if we can do something about that, then it should provide us more consistent results over time because it's inevitable that we're going to experience some stress, right? Like you're going to have stressful events happen. It's not about trying to avoid them. Um, so we just need to have some kind of strategy in place to deal with stress. And then that means that you don't need to optimize your training program or your nutrition as much. It kind of just gets you better results without you even doing anything. So that's kind of where I'm coming at with this. And uh, one of the things that that sometimes when I say stress, people go, well, it's not, it's not about like a family member dying or losing your job or um, your daughter getting knocked up or, or something like that. It's, it's about uh, probably little things that you don't even realize have an impact on your stress. So there's research looking at what they call daily hassles. Like literally that's what it's called in psychology research. And it's literally just the little annoying things that you encounter day to day, like, mm -hmm. you know, being a bit late for the bus or, uh, it's raining and you got a bit wet because you forgot your umbrella. Uh, you always stub your toe on the same freaking chair whenever you walk past. Like I got a, I got a fucking lamp in our living room that I always bash my head on. Okay. Always drives me insane. So these are daily hassles, and it's it's small. You don't think that's going to really stress you out or anything. But what the research shows is that that stuff actually accumulates and it has a really profound level on your overall stress. So it doesn't have to be some big stressful event, and so how can we use it? Well, it could, could just be small things about sort of streamlining your day and removing those little friction points, like, um, you know, getting up five minutes earlier so you're not late for the bus or making sure that your umbrella is right next to the door so you don't forget it or getting your gym bag ready the night before or, I mean, the list goes on, right? So that's something that I think is so small that ends up affecting your mood, your sleep, your rate of healing if you're, if you're injured or between your training days your rate of growth if you're looking to grow some muscle. Um, and, you know, overall then, like I say, it, it makes you just a little bit happier because you're not bashing your head on the same fucking light fixture every time. Yeah, you should listen to, man. Yeah, you should listen to one of the podcasts, the last one or the second last one I did with John Kiley. He spoke yep. about uh, placebo and nocebo and how like nocebo has a disproportionately powerful yeah. effect. And this is similar where, okay, having your like, having your having your umbrella there waiting for you every day so you actually just pick it up doesn't have a massive positive effect but the compounding negative effect that this ha this yes. might have of it not being there every single time is having a big negative effect so and this is is really hard to get this across in the rehab process with people where you actually like like you know someone has a slightly so sore shoulder and you're trying to ask them about sleep people are starting to understand yeah okay i didn't get a great night's sleep i can understand how that can have an effect uh nutrition people are starting to understand like okay people understand words like inflammation and stuff like that that's starting to come into the consciousness but then like these small stressors that people are just carrying around all the time they can't really understand how mm. actually a, a tissue like my shoulder is sensitized my tissues are just sensitized a little bit of pain there and how that will or not will but could like just amplify any sensitization that is there and now i go and train and now i have a sore shoulder and it's not because i just did a certain exercise in the wrong way it's because of 
this last three days has been constant little stressors that have just made my whole system not as happy to handle load or just to add on any stressors on top of that. So difficult for me to try and explain that to people. Yeah, but I think a big aspect of that is just that people are so focused on structural origin of pain, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, there are, I'm getting a pain signal. Well, not really. You're getting a sensory signal that's being integrated in the brain, right? Along with a bunch of other signals. And so if all of that sort of nociceptive uh, data is kind of being integrated with whatever sensory data you're getting from your shoulder, that could make it feel worse, even though there's nothing worse about it, you know? Um, so that's, that's pretty difficult to get to, I guess. It's hard. It's really hard. It's, 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 it's kind of getting there. People are getting a bit more open to it, especially as the conversation around mindset kind of improves, like that gives you kind of a little bit of an in, but, um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's difficult. I think it's actually starts almost from the beginning with the education process where it's like, okay, rehab are your pain. And like, it's not, this isn't just physios or rehab people like coaches kind of, I know there's a scope of practice, stuff like that, but coaches have to deal with this because their words are powerful for someone. If someone has a little bit of a short sore shoulder, you can't say something stupid that will make it worse. Like, but um yeah it's just educating from the beginning of that process of the beginning of the training cycle that actually it's not linear it's not just like okay you just get a little better 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 it's actually there is these ups and downs as we go along and what i try and always say to people is like okay if you, you let's say you have back pain and we give you a few exercises and in a week's time you feel amazing right so like we, okay, we're, we're, we've drawn a graph or actually, let's say for the first week, you're getting a little better. And then you just wake up one day, your back pain is gone. I say being up here doesn't mean you're now hundred percent and you're perfect. And, and they, they're like, yeah, I know that I need to take it easy and go slow. And then I say, okay, so you also need to understand with me that if you wake up another day and it's really bad or it's sore, being down here doesn't mean you're all the way back to the start and you're broken again. It's just these fluctuations and I think that, that that kind of, they do it in sales, it's called like objection handling. So you almost say this stuff before they're going to say it to you. And then when they, they wake up in pain that day or their whatever isn't going as well as it could be, it's like, okay, actually Luke said it to me that day that like I might have started to experience things like this and that doesn't get in on top of them. But once the pain is, once, the, once that started to happen, it's hard to re-educate that again once they've already had that thought process, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you. It is, it is kind of thinking about what's the little question in the back of their mind that's going to pop up at some point And can I kind of sort that out before we get mm-hmm. there? Cause it will just make the whole process so much smoother as opposed to being really reactive to everything. Yeah. Um, that's really hard to do obviously because everyone's got their own little history and, and how they think about their own body and injuries and, and performance and whatever else. So it's always like quite interesting when people come to you what sort of received wisdom they have like i get loads of people who think yeah like oh yeah i have to do cardio if i want to lose fat and all this kind of stuff for example or um yeah it's just funny how people go about things i remember one one woman i was kind of doing nutrition with and this is actually an in-person client so i got to speak to her like multiple times a week and uh she wasn't losing any weight and i was like are you like you are weighing your food and everything she's like yeah 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 um but as it turned out, she wasn't actually 
putting it in an app or anything to actually track what was in it and hitting her macros or whatever that we had prescribed. So this whole time I'm tearing my hair out going like, fuck, what are we doing wrong? And just turned out that she just was sort of, I don't know, she wasn't weighing her food. That was the problem. She was eyeballing it and going like, yeah, that's 120 yeah. grams of salmon. And it was so obvious to me that you got to fucking weigh it. And to her, it was like, no, no, I'm just eyeballing the portion sizes or whatever on the back of the packet. So <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But it was like, three months of that before we kind of realized it was something as simple as we'll yeah. actually weigh it and, and put it in the app that way. Yeah. Things usually make sense. They usually yep. should make sense. They should kind of start to add up even with pain. Like it's so, so, so complex, right? There could be a million things, right? But it can, it still kind of should make sense. Like someone, someone, no, look, not always, right? I don't want to say always, but like a lot of the time, okay, we were flying for four weeks with your knee rehab and then it came to, I saw you last Wednesday and then this Wednesday it came back in and was like, my knee is killing me. And you question them about it and they just say like, yeah, I went for, I did a 10K run on Sunday or Monday. And it was like, you, I told you you weren't ready to run yet. So it should make sense. Or another yeah. one is like, just okay, it wasn't actually that thing, but they ended up spending eight hours moving house and lifting boxes up and down the stairs. So like it kind of, when you, when you dig in or I didn't get a good night's sleep or whatever, like things should kind of start to make sense. Now pain is much less so, but like you still usually see some kind of link to something that's going on or some obvious thing that you could make a change at that um, in people's training. And like you said earlier, subtraction, usually it's just, okay, let's just take that. You can keep training. You can do all this stuff. Maybe we just need to take out this thing that your body clearly just doesn't love at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think the general idea overall in everything is just that concept of a a sanity check, which is something that they use quite a lot in like, uh, you know, mechanical or uh, computer engineering, um, where if you just do a quick back of the napkin math does it check out like it's not going to be completely accurate or it's going to miss some things for sure but if we can just do a little quick thing like does it make sense does it check out uh just do that quick sanity check first and it's it's kind of related to occam's razor i guess which is um all else being equal like the thing that has the least variables attached to it is probably the truest because you're making less assumptions so Mm -hmm. exactly right it's like you can make all these assumptions about why someone's knee is hurting but it seems simplest to just go, hey, they did a big run two days ago. Like, that's probably what it is. That's the obvious We did thing the same there. thing with the fucking baby, man. Like, you, you have no idea when you have a newborn how many different opinions and things you're going to hear and how confused you're going to be as a parent. And so we were getting all this advice and you feel really stupid, but you're obviously new to it and you're sleep deprived and stuff. And our baby was like really crying her head off and, and having lots of tantrums and stuff. And we had her on this like sleeping and eating schedule or something that we got recommended and then the midwife who helped us out came by and she's like well your baby's gonna be hungry when she's hungry why don't you just feed her when she's hungry and then even if it's you know half an hour after she just ate and we were just like yeah yeah obviously why are Mm -hmm. you trying to feed her every two hours just feed her when she's hungry and it feel like the biggest idiot but Mm -hmm. sometimes it is something so obvious when you step back like just makes sense that's why you need a coach the midwife yep. is just <laughs> someone who can emotionally separate themselves from the situation and say, exactly, man. Uh, hang exactly. on, what's going on here? Yeah, but yeah. We're, we've, we're human beings are incredibly poor at doing that for our own situations. We can't, all of us, especially me, <laughs> uh, very hard to do.
So that's why people yeah. need coaches, I think. Um, yeah, I think that, that stuff applies with like the stress stuff applies with it. Remember I asked you a question on Instagram or someone asked me a question a couple of years ago and I asked the nutrition side of things. I know you're not a nutritionist, but the injury nutrition and the, and the stress stuff, I think applies to it because people, people hurt themselves. They get, they get hurt, whether they're injured or just a little bit of pain or whatever, and they can't train as hard maybe. So they're they're already stressed because they're like okay i'm not getting closer to my goals blah 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 and then they stop eating as much yep. so it's like okay i don't want to put on weight now i'm not eating half as much food and then my system is even more stressed and how do you how do you actually expect healing to take place in 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 that kind of a situation and it just rumbles on and on and on yeah uh, a million percent so injury nutrition eat more yeah pretty much i mean yeah, you do see it all the time. People are really afraid of getting fat, but it's like, mate, the, the first thing I'm concerned about is like, is that broken arm going to heal? And then we can worry about if, if you're fat after that, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it's funny how your priorities get a bit mixed up sometimes, but that's, you do need just that external perspective sometimes to be like, hey, this is actually what makes sense. And you go, oh, yeah, actually, it does make sense like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, brother, final question. Mm-hmm. my generic one three people on an island with you that you want to not not family not babies um <laughs> that you that you'd like to learn from for like you're going to be there on a desert island for a full week who who would you take with you uh people that i want to learn from i think you don't have to learn from actually no i'll take out learn from just three take people out learn from but interesting people interesting people let's say interesting people uh i'm gonna go with stephen king as one of them um had a bit of a life hasn't he so (laughs) i think that would be very interesting to learn from um just from a writing perspective and also just a generally interesting guy uh let me think about a sort of sports person that would be pretty fun i think tyson would be fun um i've been getting into the f1 a little bit so i think danny rick would be pretty fun to have on a desert island he's a very happy bloke and pretty mm-hmm. funny so that might be pretty good see your uh, see who you support when you're watching i do like him because he's aussie you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but i gotta be honest i'm pretty happy with some of the guys from the the sort of historically worst constructors doing pretty well like magnuson coming back and doing really well it's sick to see Bottas doing well yeah. um, now that he's moved on. Bottas uh, is a legend. I, he's I, I, he's yeah, grown on me so much. Yeah, I love the bloke. He's, he's really cool. So I think any one of those guys would be pretty fun, but um, mm-hmm. they're mostly like pretty chill, I guess. So I think the personality with, with Danny Ricardo would be pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to think of like maybe a musician or something. I remember actually, I don't listen to much Joe Rogan, but he did have Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins on back in the day. And it was very interesting how he chatted about the music industry and his creative process and stuff. And someone else I actually really liked was, is it Shirley Manson from Garbage? She, um, that was really interesting because I don't know if you ever listened to any garbage, but like back in the day, they had an album come out that was like the fucking album. This would have been early 2000s. It was huge. They were headlining every festival on the planet. And then their follow up obviously didn't do so well. And so it was so interesting listening to her talk and being like, yeah, you're one, one week you're like the man or the woman. 
And then a year later, it's like, shit, how do we replicate that? So I found that really interesting as well. So maybe a musician like that would be cool as well. So we've got a nice little mix of, uh, of people there. I like it. That's what happened with lower body races. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect time during COVID. So it's yeah. just like downhill from there. Yeah, it's, it's hard, mate. It's hard. That's why the, you know, the consistency is the toughest part, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, okay, where can people find you, Luke? Get you back up to 50K. Not through this podcast now. Come on, mate. (laughs) (laughs) I'm relying on you. Uh, The new one is Coach Luke Tulloch. um, And you can also go to luketulloch.com if you want to check out any stuff there. I've got like a little mini course. If any of you is listening uh, into some resistance training, bodybuilding type stuff, then there's a little free mini course there that you might sort of get some of my ideas out of from training to failure and how to set up your training. Uh, But that's pretty much it, man. If if anyone if if no one hears a solo podcast from me again, they can blame you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except for my members. Yeah, that's cool. If you yeah, if you have questions about it, then let me know. I definitely will. All right, Luke Legend. Thank you very much. It's been awesome, mate. Cheers. Okay, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Luke. Uh, don't forget, you can sign up for our member site, DGR Interactive. You can get twenty percent off right now. Use the code DGR Podcast. If you want to get a full year's worth of support from me and Kira and Alice and Chris and basically all the 500 other members that are in the group, we've had a ton of members sign up over the last week or so. Yeah, it's incredibly cheap price uh, for the, the support and the content that you get. Here's an example of a few of the videos. Uh, I'm just looking at them now, some random ones. The biomechanics of plyometrics, early, mid, late stance and max propulsion broken down. Curve running, muscle slack and deadlifting, change of direction, co-contractions and freezing degrees of freedom. Internal rotation is a downforce, top down versus bottom up where to start. Sports specificity, knee extension case study, uh, assessing online clients, assessing and treating online clients, a webinar that I did a couple of years ago. That's up there. Gate section, what's in the gate section? Alternation of hips and gait, one hip forward should equal one hip back but it doesn't uh, neck and jaw practical class neck neck and chill practical clip of me actually treating chris's chris's jaw and neck giving him a couple of exercises for that on, in an online session just uploaded it there so you can see me actually working with him there uh reaching 101 breathing pump handle and causing more compression so much stuff up there uh that's like a tenth of the stuff and they're all short videos 5 10 15 minutes long you could dive in once a week over a coffee. That's what a lot of people do twice a week over a coffee. Sit down 10 minutes in, in their lunch break and watch something and they're smarter. So if you don't want to get left in the in the dust, in the rear view mirror of all the people that are 500 people that are learning with us every week, then you probably should go and sign up there. So DGR Interactive is where you need to type into your Google or Safari if you use that and use the code DGR Podcast for 20% off this this discount will not be lasting for much longer this might be the last podcast don't quote me on that but uh i am going to because it's just too cheap so i am going to take that off you got the 500 members very very quickly and uh now might be your last chance so uh dgr interactive and uh i'm going to talk to you guys soon <laughs>